sharing our faith and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ with others is a desire of Zion Christian Fellowship. Our prayer is that this message will have a lasting impact on your life and draw you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is not copyrighted. You are free to make copies for friends and neighbors. We only ask that you copy it in its entirety without alterations or changes. Now unto the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, greetings to everyone in Jesus' name. May grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied to you. I would invite you to turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we have Paul teaching, and he covers a number of things here, but it is in relation to the church. And he likens the church to a building, to himself as a wise master builder. And in verse 11 he says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. But in the prior verse, he gives this admonition, he says, Let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. And so the thrust of my message is that admonition, Let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. But I'd like to read all of this chapter to get the context, and there are some important points in the context here. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, 
ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, The Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come, all are yours, and ye are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Now, considering building, I have recently been in, uh, engaged in a building project on my property there, building a shop, and so I had many opportunities in this project to determine how it's to be built and what materials to use and, and why I would choose to do it this way or that. And... Not all building materials are the same. Not all building styles have the same outcome. And as I embarked on this project, I did ask some advice and was given some direction and uh, some comparisons between different building styles. and, And one of the things I was advised was to put a complete foundation under this shop, this shed, even though it's built of, it's a wood structure with a steel cladding, and, and there are two primary ways that it's done. One is to put uh, poles into the ground, and the other is to put a concrete foundation under it. The rest of the structure is very similar, but the difference being in the foundation. So I was advised that If I build a shed, I should put a concrete foundation under the whole thing. And that sounded good to me. And there was various advantages. And even though it's more costly, I decided to go that route, hoping that it would last 
a bit longer than the other method. Uh, more recently then, since it's, the structure is up, I had another man ask me, so why did you put a foundation all the way under your, your building? I said, well, first of all, I was advised to do that. And secondly, it seemed like the right thing to do. Well, he, he said, he told me then he has a shop or a shed similar to this, but his had the poles in the ground, and one of those poles has rotted off. He said the building is, oh, about 40 years old, and one of them has rotted off. And he knows at some point he'll probably have to do something about that. So I considered, well, that was probably sound advice that I put a concrete foundation because here is an example of a man who had a structure that was done differently and it didn't last. Now, when we had an opportunity to visit in Israel, we saw a number of structures primarily built of stone, some of which were at least portions of the structure were nearly 2,000 years old, some even more than that. In some cases, they were partially broken down and remnants of it still there. In other cases, they had been kept in good repair. Uh, the Church of the Nativity was built in, this was in Bethlehem, it was built in the year, uh, I forget my history lesson there, but I believe it was about 310 um, A.D. And the building is still standing. It's gone through several renovations, but it was never completely destroyed, and much of the original structure is still standing. Now, in our setting here, Getting stone like that is not so easily done. It would be quite expensive. And it's one reason why I didn't choose that, among others. Uh, but I don't necessarily intend for my structure to last for 2,000 years. Um, if it lasts 80 or more, it would probably be well beyond my lifetime if the world stands that long. But the point is that not all building materials and methods are the same. And that is precisely the point that Paul was making here when he said, Take heed how every man buildeth thereupon. He says then, that if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, it doesn't take uh, a lot of knowledge, perhaps a little bit, but here he gives six different building materials. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. And at some point it's going to be tested by fire. Which of these materials will endure the fire? 
Well, the first three will. The gold, the silver, and the precious stones. When they come through the fire, they are purified. They are refined. They end up better than they were to begin with. But the other materials, the wood, hay, and the stubble, what becomes of them when tested by fire? They're gone. They are burned up. They do not endure. And he says further, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Now my concern this morning for us today as we consider this about taking heed how we build thereupon. We all realize that we have a life to live and and as the one hymn says, uh, a soul to save and fit it for the sky. We have a responsibility for our own life. And these principles would certainly apply to our life as an individual. But it also applies to us collectively as the body of Christ or the church of Christ. And I think primarily that is what Paul had in mind. He started the chapter by giving them a bit of reproof for their divisions and their carnality. Because there was strife among them and some bit of envying, and we're not given all the details. But some of them said, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and others said, well, I am of Cephas. And perhaps some of that is taken from chapter 1, but, but he, he is telling them, that those kind of strifes are not good. They are evidence of carnality. And about the only thing we can discern is from other scriptures where it gives us some idea of how these men ministered. Paul was a preacher of the gospel. Apollos was a man eloquent in words, much more so than Paul. Uh, And Cephas... Uh, which he was one of the founders of the churches, uh, particularly to the Jews, and he was a man mighty. And and yet, uh, he had his own temperament and and methods of teaching and preaching. And I'm thinking of the time in his epistle where Peter said that Paul teaches things concerning the end time that are difficult to understand. So, you might think of Paul as one who was more of a theologian, or he, was, he could think things through and he could explain things, but even in his explanation they were still difficult to understand. Things that he showed by revelation. But here Paul is making the point that for them to strive and to say that this is better or this one is better is is not good. His reproof is also that they were unable to take 
meet. They should have been able to, but they were so weak in their spirit that they were still unable to digest meat when they should have uh, attained to that level. So Paul is clearly talking about a church setting, the body of Christ, the believers. And then later he says, Know ye not, in verse 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. That's a very sobering warning. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. Sometimes we think of this passage in a personal context, that if you defile your body, which is the temple of God, then we know that the judgment of God follows. But in this verse, he uses the term ye, collectively. He says, ye are the temple of God. Now let's look at two passages. If you would turn a few chapters on to chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians. And toward the end of chapter 6, he talks about having, um, that there should be purity in In personal life, he says in verse 15, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. And verse 18, flee fornication. And then in verse 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now in this passage, it's very clearly speaking of an individual. And the responsibility for us as an individual to maintain purity, fleeing fornication, not sinning against another or our own body, because our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And he says very clearly, ye are not your own. Ye are bought with a price. Now let's look at a second passage in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. And verse 19 through 22. Ephesians chapter 2:19 Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. 
Now in this passage, it is very clear that he is speaking of this collectively as the body of Christ, the whole church. We are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and that would correspond very clearly with what he's what Paul said to the Corinthians, that Jesus Christ is that foundation in whom all the building, that's all of us, the whole church, fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So back in our text here in 1 Corinthians 3, I believe the primary thought here is that of the collective church. Now there are applications also to an individual. But the emphasis here, he says, if any man defile the temple of God. And if that is speaking of the church... The gathering together of the saints, the believers, that's a very serious and sobering thing that we would destroy the temple of God or the church of God. But in the whole context here, he is clearly talking about building the church. When he reproved them for their divisions and their uh, contentions, concerning this brother or that brother being um, better or whatever it was that they were contending about, it affected the church. And then he says in verse 9, we are laborers together with God. He's pointing out that these different brothers have their gifts and different labors, but they are one. They are working together And all of us, together, are laborers to build the church of God. So building the church, and let's make it just real practical and personal here, building Zion Christian Fellowship. The members of the body are responsible to build the church and not to tear it down. And he says here, Let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Now there could be many different points made. And time would fail us to talk of all the things that go into building a church. But one of my burdens today is that not all building materials are equal. And we ought to lay that to heart. That it is possible for a structure to be built that will not endure. It looks fine at the beginning. But because of the type of construction or the materials that were chosen, it will not endure. Now I would say that uh, in the example I used about my building and the man who said he had a similar building and a post was rotted away, 
From the outside, they would look very similar in construction, very, very typical and, and similar, but there is a difference. And this, in this case, it has to do with the foundation. So, just because it looks similar or looks the same doesn't mean that it has been built the same. Jesus used a like principle in his sermon when he said that a man who hears these sayings of mine is like a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And when the rains beat and the floods came, it stood because it was on the rock. But the foolish man who hears these words and does not do them is like a man who built his house upon the sand. Oh, he did the same thing the first one did. He built a house. Only difference being one was on the foundation and the other was not. One was on sand. And so, at the outset, it would have looked very similar. It would have appeared probably just as sound, but in the end, when the strong floods and winds came, it fell, and great was the fall of it. So I would ask you this morning, as you consider your life and your contribution to the church of Jesus Christ, and assisting in building What materials and of what sort is your building? Are you selecting materials that are going to endure? As you think about all the people you know and have known over the years, and even people that sat in these pews that have forsaken the way. They once sat and heard these same messages. And today, they have rejected it completely and just gone their own way. And at one time, it would have appeared that they were building. They were, they were sitting here, hearing the word. They were taught, and they would have embraced it. And today you would never know it. You would never think that they would have one time have claimed to have followed Christ. And that's sad, but it's a reality in the world that we live in. And woe be to us if any of us should come short of that promise and turn back. Now I'm going to shift your thinking just a moment for a moment here. In my childhood, I, I like to look at my parents' Bibles. And my mother had a Bible. I think it was the one she used at home for devotions. And on the flyleaf, in the flyleaf, there was a handwritten note that I have never forgotten. It was just a short little statement. It was giving a definition to an excuse. And it was simply written, excuse, and then an equal sign. It said an excuse 
is a skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. And somehow that's stuck in my mind. A skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. And I always pictured something like a balloon. You know, it's got a skin and it's all puffed up with nothing. I mean, and... It gave a little check in my mind over the years, you know, if you give an excuse, what is it? A skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. But I'd like to make an application to that, that there are many theologies and principles and even ideas of how a church, what a church should be and, and what it should look like that have a semblance of some truth to it. There, there might even be a skin of a truth but it's stuffed with a lie and propped up and allows people their own way and their own ideas and, and concepts. And we need to be where? Let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. A couple of illustrations that I think will help us to see where at least one small aspect. You know, in our culture, in our nation particularly, this is kind of a national um, principle or saying, whatever it might be, but you've heard it many times that uh, united we stand, divided we fall. Now, there's a lot of truth to that. United we stand, divided we fall. And that principle could probably be applied to a church. In most aspects, if we're united, we can stand. If we're divided, we'll fall. Paul is warning clearly against divisions here. 